Hello and welcome to the Women Doing Cool Stuff podcast, episode number eight. episode, I talked to Denise Pottier of Santec and how she went from a girl in small town Nova Scotia to one of Canada's 100 most powerful women for 2018. So welcome to this episode of the Women Doing Cool Stuff pod- podcast. My guest today is Denise Pottier of Stantec. Welcome, Denise. Hi, Corinne. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Thanks for having me. So I think we first met about a year ago when we were both at a retreat. Almost to the day. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just thinking back to that retreat. Um, One of the things that was interesting in that retreat is that we actually talked for I would almost say a whole day of the retreat and we had to describe ourselves without actually saying what our jobs were mm-hmm. and without and talking about our family that's right yeah so we kind of got to know each other on a different with different descriptors than we usually do mm-hmm. do you remember yours not really <laughs> <laughs> do you I think I said I was a storyteller Okay. Yeah. I recently fr- found my brilliance bridge that I made during that. <laughs> so I'm going to be revisiting that in 2019 in case I forget what some of those things are. Anyway, so I, uh, when I did find out what you were doing, I thought it was really interesting. You are a chemical engineer by trade. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you just first start out talking about how you came to the engineering field yeah okay um so what what i always find interesting about the story of how i got into engineering was it's two people who are not engineers who encouraged me to go into engineering so my mom was at a pta meeting parent teacher meeting and uh, my grade 11 12 chemistry teacher suggested that i might want to consider engineering um his his assessment was that I was good at math and sciences, good at problem solving, and probably wouldn't mind making a, a half-decent salary. So he suggested to my mom, didn't really know a whole lot more about engineering or where engineers worked. Um, so my mom came home and basically gave me that same rundown. And uh, I decided to go into engineering. It was no more complicated or, or simple than that. And uh, Reflecting back, I mean, because that would have been back in 1987, um, there was no notion of, of, of biases or, or who should be an engineer or shouldn't be an engineer. It was just, this is the essence of an engineer, and we think Denise meets the essence. So I think that's pretty cool. Right. And so where did you grow up? Oh, sorry. Grew up in very rural uh, Nova Scotia, a small village called Lower Eelbrook. Um, so it's in Yarmouth County, um, and, uh, and went to university at, uh, started off, well, went to university at Dal and at the time, at that time, 
uh, you went on to do your Bachelor of Engineering at a school called Tunz, Technical University of Nova Scotia, which is now all Dalhousie University. Right. So you um, didn't know any engineers in your community when you were growing up? In my community, no. I had an uncle who was an engineer, uh, but he lived in, uh, or still lives in Deep River, Ontario, worked uh, for Atomic Energy. But again, rarely had any interface with him since he had moved away and moved away from the community. So uh, he certainly, I did phone him up and ask him about engineering if I, he thought that that was a good career choice. And, and he's a real engineer's engineer and said, absolutely, you can't go wrong choosing engineering. So awesome. the rest is history. Yeah. So when you showed up at Dell and started getting into it, what was it that you really liked that really clicked for you? Um, uh, that's an interesting question because a lot didn't click. Um, there was more people in my first engineering class in the village I grew up in. Um, didn't really find anybody who spoke French. I discovered that uh, it was an uneven playing field when it came to the advanced sciences and math courses. So I was really operating from a, I'm going to use the term up. Uh, a position of deficit. Deficit might not be the right term, but I was at a disadvantage. I'm going to put it to you that way. Um, and I really didn't know anyone. Hmm. So uh, thankfully, I found the work interesting. It was very challenging, uh, but I found it interesting. And then, you know, eventually uh, made some friends and uh, got to know the city a little bit better and, you know, appreciate um, as much as I appreciated where I grew up, also appreciated the amenities that are available to you and, and perhaps a broader cultural basis in Halifax. Um, so, so yeah, enjoyed it from then on in. So what did you do after you graduated from Dallin Tons? What were your first, what was your first engineering job? First engineering job, I had a couple of co-op work terms. Um, uh, during it was a co-op a co-op course so a couple of work terms which was great one was up in Toronto and one was here locally in Halifax but uh, right out of university I got a job uh, with uh, Imperial Oil and worked at the refinery uh, for three years and and a refinery is an amazing place uh, for a young engineer it's it's a virtual cornucopia of engineering and um, got some amazing experience there and then moved on into consulting Okay. and uh, continue doing mostly primarily oil and gas work uh, on and offshore East Coast Canada, uh, some work in Alberta as well. And then um, uh, my firm, the firm that I worked for, Neil & Gunter, uh, was acquired by Stantec. That would have been just over 11 years ago now. So I've been with Stantec ever since. And so what did that do for you, your, your firm? Was your firm smaller than Stantec that was acquired? Yeah, yeah. much, much smaller. We were about um, 600 people-ish, between six and 800, and we had offices in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, or Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, sorry, Fredericton, New Brunswick, and Scarborough, Maine. And I think at that time, we would have been the largest acquisition that Stantec would have, would have done, and certainly a significant industrial um, acquisition and I believe Stantec would have been about 8,000 people at the time of our acquisition and we're now you know over 22,000 and six continents 
26 countries, that type of thing. So I've seen a lot of growth in the 11, 11 years I've been at Stantac. Right. So what did that do for you personally when, when you became part of a larger company? Uh, so that's a little bit of an interesting story <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, because there's always change is hard and, and I'm no different than, than anyone else. Um, you go through these different emotions. You're worried at that time. I was a single mom. I was worried if I would still have a job. Um, you know, you're going from an organization where most, if not everyone knows you to feeling like most, if not everyone doesn't know you in a larger company. Um, but, uh, when the former CEO, uh, came to visit us and did a town hall meeting, uh, he spoke about a strategic initiative that the organization had to become ISO 9001 certified, which is becoming certified to a quality management system uh, standard and um, and invited anyone, you know, that had experience to, to, to help, that they needed help with this, this strategic initiative. So at the end of the town hall, I went up, introduced myself and and, and I was working, I was the quality manager for, for the, the Dartmouth operation at the time and said, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do, and I would like to help. And I guess, as they would say, the rest is history. From <laughs> then on, my career just kept on building upon that, that sort of moment. And, and I find it interesting that, you know, we all have these intersections in our lives, and I took advantage of, of an intersection and it, and it really, it really would have been out of character at that time for me to be that bold, but in essence, I was fighting for my family's, um, you know, longevity or success or survival. Yeah. And, uh, so with that on the line, it was a no brainer to go up and say, Hey, I think I can help you guys out. did you get from that from that day when you said yes to that opportunity to your current position so you're currently vice president of practice services and the first ever vp of indigenous relations for stantec yes so um so after i did get hired on as the quality manager for stantec so I went from being quality manager of a 200 person firm to quality manager of an 8,000 person multidisciplinary firm. Um, and then from then on, we added um, environmental management, occupational health and safety management. So we have an integrated management system now, and that's the, the vice president of practice services side of things. That has grown into a global role. So uh, we ha I have oversight um, of of all of the various certifications we have globally. And then just over two years ago, uh, the organization decided that they would like to have a position that was focused around indigenous relations. And again, I, um, I saw an opportunity and something that was of great interest to me and something that I'm very passionate about. So I put my name in the my name in the hat, my hat in the ring, whatever the expression is, and um, said that I was interested in the position and thought that I could manage both portfolios with the right support infrastructure 
um, in place that started as a Canadian role and has quickly expanded into a global role as well. So how could you explain what that role is? Indigenous relations? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I should have, I should have explained that a little bit better. Um, so what we're looking at, um, it's really around four pillars and the four pillars um, tie in nicely with our, with our four core values at Stantec. So it's around being an employer of choice. Um, it's about our community engagement and, and outreach. And it's about cultural awareness, um, cultural awareness, uh, I'm gonna use the word training, but just having that cultural awareness of Indigenous peoples, the history of Indigenous peoples um, in Canada specific, specifically, but then again, globally. Um, and it's, it's really putting into action um, the truth and reconciliation call to action number 92, which is around corporate Canada. Um, and what we can do to, to advance um, Indigenous uh, communities, businesses, the youth, providing them with, with opportunities for, um, for employment and for advancement. Right, so what would be an example of an initiative in Canada? So, yeah, we've, we've done a, a number of things. Um, one which was definitely, uh, well, two in particular stand out for me in 2018, very, very meaningful um, in events that we were engaged in. So one of them was um, the Can Do, which um, is an organization that works with the economic, economic development offices of, of Indigenous communities. And they had an Indigenous Women in Business panel, and we sponsored that panel. Um, and, and as part of that sponsorship, um, I got to be the panel moderator. So again, I'm, I'm at the front of the room, but I, and, and it, what was amazing for me, it was so humbling to be at the front of the room with these amazing Indigenous business women, um, entrepreneurs who are just making such a difference in the world and, and who just have such amazing operations and, um, and got to, to introduce them and to hear from them directly as to the work that they're doing. And it was so interesting to hear their perspectives about you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, the, the various barriers that they have faced um, as Indigenous women, and, and just to hear about their, their resilience and, and focus and determination to, to, to really be change agents. And so we've done that. And the other thing that we did, we also sponsored um, as part of the Imaginative Film Festival. It was the 19th anniversary of that film festival in Toronto. And we sponsored a bunch of short films and documentaries about community. And, and at Stantec, we, we believe in designing with community in mind. And, and these short films and documentaries were so powerful and they talked about community and they talked about how our communities support us through the good times, through the bad times, um, and the importance of having that, that strong community connection. Um, and to get to meet some of these, these young um, filmmakers and, um, and to hear their stories directly from them again, such such an amazing experience and and i was just so proud to be able to be part of those two events this year and there were a number of other ones um but for me personally those were the two that sort of stood out the most right is the is the panel discussion available anywhere that people could find Ooh, 
that is a very good question. It was being filmed. Um, so can do is C-A-N-D-O. C-A-N-D-O. And if it would be, it's part of their, their annual conference. So it, if it is available, it would be available through their website. Okay. I'll see if I can find a link to that for people. Thank you. In case they're interested. Yeah. So I know that you're a very humble superstar, <laughs> but, uh, but what do you think it is that helps you to, you know, continue to advance in your career and be, you know, going from, you know, this kid in rural Nova Scotia to, you know, taking on a global role with a global company? What, what do you think are some of the, some of your magic or your secret sauce? And I need you to brag a little bit here just for a yeah. minute. Okay. <laughs> well, what's, what's interesting about that, that question is that, you know, I, it's not that I ever set out to, you know, have a global role, like, you know, or I'm going to be a vice president or I'm going to be, it's, it's a series of, of small steps. And, and I think that that's part of the secret sauce is that you stretch yourself, you take on assignments and, and challenges that just move you, you know, either closer to the, the edge of your comfort zone or beyond it, and you do them well. And you trust in the people that are providing you with those opportunities. And it's not that you say yes to everything, I mean, sometimes early on in your career, you, you do say yes to a number of things just to get a broad experience base. But as you move on in your career, I think it's the saying yes to these strategic opportunities that either further hone a skill that you have or provide you with, with um, like exposure to a new skill or a new set of people um, that that you can help and they can help you in your career. And then by doing that, you just demonstrate that level of competence that you can do things that are a little bit outside of your, your comfort zone. So for me, it's not doing a wholesale change in one fell swoop. It's doing it slowly and in a measured and strategic way. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're there. Right. Do you ever have moments where you think, holy crap, what did I just take on? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm saying I, that because I know I do sometimes. What did I just agree to? What did I just uh, decide to do? Uh, absolutely. And, and another expression, you know, you're never, you're never more alive than when you're scared to death. And I think you need to harness that what the heck into like, change that energy from a what the heck to I can do this, right? It's, it's same level of energy. You just channel it in a positive way. And, and the other thing is, is I have what I, I call, you know, my, uh, for lack of a better term, it's like my personal board of directors. So it's my group of go-to people to, you know, uh, either I'm thinking about doing something or I've, I'm, I've accepted something. So now it's like the, so what the heck, how are we going to get this done? And they're the ones that can provide that, that sort of stage advice um, as to how to, to proceed with that. And, and it's not to say that everyone that's on my personal board of directors is in my industry or is older than me, 
they're just people that I trust to tell me the truth, even though it might hurt, and to that I would trust to not steer me in the wrong direction. So I fully place my trust in what they will give me as feedback or advice. Right. That sounds and like that, a great idea. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any self-care tips? So you're, you're a busy person. Um, you do a lot of traveling. You, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure have lots of other things on your plate family-wise. How do you, do you have any self-care tips for people, for women specifically? Uh, I do. I do. So, and I don't, I don't want this one to sound too, I'm going to use the term fluffy, but the first one is to be kind to yourself. And that is one of the most difficult thing I have found in my, my travels um, for women to do. They are kind to everyone else but themselves. So to practice kindness to yourself and to take care of yourself so that you can be that person who can care for others. I think we always put the care for others first, but then if, if you become not well, you can't be that person that you want to be. So it is very important and it is not selfish to care for yourself. Um, so if that means saying no, then you say no. Right. And you don't have to make a million excuses why you can't do something. It's just, no, I don't have the time to do that right now. But you know, so-and-so can help you out, or I could do this, or I could do that. If you need to trade off, then do that. So to be kind to yourself. And then the, the other thing is to really listen to your, to your own body. So again, if I'm tired, I sleep. If, you know, I'm hungry, I eat. If I, if I know I need to get some fresh air, I get some fresh air. And I, and I think, especially when we're getting into the winter months, it's very easy to stay inside all the time. I do try and get fresh air as much as possible. And commuting to work does not count as getting fresh air. <laughs> even if you roll the window down? Even if you roll the window down does not count as getting fresh air. So right. to get out, to be able to, you know, breathe in fresh air and just connect with nature, I think that that's very important, especially in this age of dot-com and technology. Um, it's very easy to find excuses not to go outside and connect with nature. So that would be, that would be my, my advice for lack of a better term. Okay. Sounds great. Um, I almost forgot to ask you about this. So you were named one of the top 100 of Canada's most powerful women in, in 2018, which is a yes. pretty, which is a pretty impressive award. What does, what does getting an award like that mean to you? It, um, well, it means a lot of things. It's, um, it, it's an honor. Um, it mean, it's an honor to have somebody nominate you to start with. So, um, Engineers Nova Scotia, um, nominated me and, uh, I'm very, very thankful, um, for, for, for them, for, for thinking that I, I would be, um, you know, even worthy of being nominated. Um, and, and then you, 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 you get an email saying that, that you have actually been chosen. 
um, as one of the top 100. And, um, and again, it's, it's very hard because it's a very humbling experience because you, it's very easy to think I don't belong uh, as part of the hundred, um, but you have to embrace um, as, a, as a person, the fact that you belong in that group of a hundred and um but now it's for me it's more around i view it as a responsibility Mm -hmm. so i want to inspire people um to to be part of that that group or and it's not even about being part of that group it's just being the best person that you you can be and making a difference in the world and following your passion and ambition and and to not be ashamed to be ambitious. Um, but when I say responsibility, I'm always concerned that, um, especially when you can't see someone when you're saying something or writing something, again, especially in this dot-com era, that you might say something or write something that discourages someone from following their, their dreams, their passion, their ambition. And I would never want to do that. So, um, I will leverage this as an opportunity to encourage um, the, you know, any young person um, to just go for it. Right. And, and, and be the best, the best you that you can be. So how do you do that in your, either with, uh, you have a daughter or with younger colleagues that you work with? How, what what do you say to them to kind of try to give that encouragement? Yeah, well, so I didn't, uh, part of the the gala event um, in Toronto, I invited five young, uh, aspiring young women from the the greater Toronto area to attend the event with me. And um, I think that that was a very special evening uh, for them. They felt uh, a lot of pride for our organization, a lot of pride for for the women that were there. And and I'm hoping even just by being there, that will inspire them to, you know, pursue their dreams and ambitions and whatnot. And, and I do have the opportunity to speak to um, a number of the engineering classes, um, either through, you know, Engineers Nova Scotia or Women in Science and Engineering. And again, I just, you know, really try my best to, to encourage them to just follow their passions, follow their dreams. You can do it you know, um, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if your parents were engineers or not, because mine aren't engineers. Um, it, it doesn't matter. The world is there. And, and when we look at, uh, you know, the first tenant of engineering in particular, it's the, the protection of, of, of society and the environment and health and safety. And that to me is making the world a better place. So, um, if making the world a better place means I encourage, you know, someone else to do that, then that I have done my job as an engineer. I don't know. I'm, I think like, I feel like I'm speaking in circles now. Yeah, no, that's cool. Hey, you're encouraging me. So it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the next question, and that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have a podcast talking to women, getting them to tell their stories. I think sometimes women are too, um, don't talk enough about what, what they're doing mm-hmm. and what they've done and how they got there. So it's kind of the purpose of the podcast too. Hmm. 
I think is a great idea. Yeah. Um, so the next question I usually ask people is to talk about another woman who they admire and who they think is doing something cool. Cool being a fairly loose term. <laughs> yeah. And um, there are, again, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people uh, every day of my life. Uh, I would be remiss not to um, talk about my daughter who is spirited and fiery and passionate and will always fight for the underdog. And I just think that's amazing. She's got a bigger backbone than most people I know. My mom, the most creative person, she's got an amazing imagination and is, is just untouchable in that category. Very, very artistic. Um, so, and, and I'm sort of, you know, the, those are my two, my, my two bookends. So surrounded by, by those two strong women, um, feel very blessed, um, that, that, that I have those two sort of sources of, of inspiration around me. Um, and then there's just all kinds of women at work, um, that, that are just, the hardworking, intelligent, passionate, ambitious women. Um, so, and you know, I could start rattling off a whole bunch of, of names. Yeah. Um, is there someone, is there someone we could go and like check out who like, I don't know, I'm kind of in the online space. I'm not sure if there are any engineers who are really into Instagram or <laughs> posting things on Facebook. Maybe there are, I don't know. And there are, and um, so I'm, so a number of professors um, that I have met that are doing some amazing work for diversity in STEM. So Imogen Co at Ryerson okay. is uh, one in particular. Um, she is an amazing individual, vibrant, passionate, intelligent, insightful, um, individual. And, uh, she has done great work in advancing diversity in STEM. Um, so I think that that is amazing work. Right, cool. Awesome. So, uh, where can people find you if they want to find out more about maybe where you're speaking or what you're up to, or maybe find out more about, I don't know, careers in STEM, anything that you want to, you know, send people to. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll include your Instagram handle or your LinkedIn profile. Right. Yeah, no, a, a lot of what I'm up to is on, is on, uh, is on LinkedIn. Um, you know, Instagram and Facebook is more, you know, whether or not I went skating at the, at the oval. Um, <laughs> so LinkedIn are, is, LinkedIn is LinkedIn, a better place to know what you're doing professionally. Yes. And as well as our 
stantech.com space. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Denise. I'm very glad that I randomly sat next to you <laughs> at, a, uh, at a table at a retreat a year ago. As am I. <laughs> That was my interview with Denise Pache of Stantec. You can find out what awesome things Denise is up to on LinkedIn or on her corporate website, stantech.com. Thank you for joining me. 